0: One of the pieces of our vision for who we are as an office is that we will provide top-notch customer service and innovation to every student. Part of that involves access and inclusion of students. We need students to see themselves represented in our processes
1: and supported by our
0: processes.
1: Gen Z is the newest generation hitting university hallways. How they think, what they want, and the expectations they set are different than any generation before them. Raised with digital devices in hand and information at their fingertips, meeting Gen Z where they are requires institutions to upgrade their marketing departments and rethink how they connect with prospective students. For Gen Z, connecting with a school is about authenticity. It's about influencers and meaningful social posts, not pamphlets and emails. Joining the podcast today is Katherine Johnson Suskey, the Executive Director of Admissions and New Student Programs at Iowa State University. Catherine has more than 20 years of experience working in admissions and recruitment. And today she shares not only what she's learned, but what she's seen change over the course of her career. Catherine and Jason discuss how Catherine's team has leveraged technology to better reach Gen Z and why authentic communication is key. Plus, Catherine shares what it's been like operating a remote team and how today's challenges have created new opportunities for inclusion and access. Enjoy this episode. If you're enjoying these episodes, then don't forget to join us on June 16th for Education Summit 2021, the virtual event for education trailblazers from across the globe. It's completely free to attend, so spread the word and mark your calendars. Learn more at sfdc.co slash education empowered summit. We'll see you there on June 16th.
2: Hey everyone! Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Bellen, Vice President of Industry Solutions for Salesforce Education Cloud. It is fantastic to be with you today. Thanks so much for uh, investing your time with us and, and for taking the time to to be with us through this journey we've had over season four of the podcast. Uh, before we jump in, really do want to uh, again express a moment of gratitude for uh, for the time that you're spending with us today. And, you know, honestly, just maybe a moment of gratitude that, uh, that all of us right here are in a position where we, where we can spend this time together uh, today to talk about what's happening in terms of the in- innovation in higher ed and what the future might look like. I am absolutely thrilled today. We have an amazing guest. I'll try not to talk her off too much before <laughs> we get into the interview. But we have an amazing guest. If you were with us uh, for Dreamforce a few months ago... This wonderful person was my guest uh, during our keynote presentation. She talked to us about some of the amazing work she's doing to reimagine recruiting and admissions, and how her team has really uh, pivoted and, and, and leaned into their, their core values and strengths to deliver a great experience for students uh, through, the, through the pandemic. Uh, and, of course, now thinking beyond that. So I am absolutely thrilled to have uh, Catherine Johnson-Susky, the Executive Director of Admissions and New Student Programs at Iowa State University with us today. Catherine has over 20 years of experience working in admissions and recruitment. And before her current role, she was the Director of Admissions at Southern Illinois University. Today, she's helping, as we talked about, she's helping to innovate the admissions process from day one all the way to recruitment to orientation and enrollment at Iowa State Catherine, uh, thank you so much. I mean, it's always... I. Every time... I remember when we were prepping for the Dream Forest keynote, we had a, a quick... We had a prep call with a few other people. I, I live in New York City. I was walking through Manhattan with my headphones on, to, taking a call, walking somewhere. And I just um, was transported into Catherine's world and I became... <laughs> in our prep call, and I became very inspired. And, you know, it's easy to feel discouraged, I guess, or just kind of uh, pessimistic about just the state of the world and where we're going and everything. But hearing you talk about what you're doing and what's motivating you and and what your vision is for the future, I actually, I found myself reminded of why I'm here at Salesforce and why I spent my career in higher ed and, and why I'm really excited about the future. So that's a big intro for you, Catherine, but uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Jason. I will tell you things are a little different in Iowa than in New York City. (laughs) Believe it or not, (laughs) so I'm excited you came to my world of Iowa.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely, and I I love your world, and I love um, you know I love some of the conversation we had even about just the inspiration that you know in terms of your your son's journey as well. So um, just really great. I just always love when people. Um, and I try to do this myself as well. can kind of draw on your personal journey or, or the journeys of people around you and your friends and family or your community to think about and then think about okay how what does that mean for me and in my in my work so so maybe that leads us kind of maybe we can jump right right in if it's okay sure you've had a good great career um in in admissions and recruitment twenty years. would love to kind of maybe take take the listeners on on that journey a little bit about yourself, your career you know and how I think it's probably an understatement to say that recruitment emissions admissions has changed over the last 20 years, but from your perspective, like what's that evolution looked like?
0: Sure. You know, I, I, Came to admissions like many people. I fell into it um, right after graduation, Um, went out on the road and did recruitment um, and just moved up through different positions through admissions. And I've been a director now for about 10 years, both at my alma mater, Southern Illinois University, uh, and then here at Iowa State for the last six and a half years. Um, So, you know, it's been a really interesting journey. Um, I would say, you know, certainly things were a lot different um, back at the beginning. Um, the technology is a huge one, right? Um, you know, we didn't, we had those bag phones we all had to carry around that cost a dollar a minute, you know, and we had a little AT&T calling card yeah. and. And we kept all of our records manually. You know, I had a binder with the contact cards photocopied and I used highlighters to track the progress of students through the funnel. Um, And so and then when, you know, you change territories, you'd hand off your binder to the next uh, the next territory manager. Well, we didn't even call them that the next recruiter uh, at that time. And so um, I think the biggest change, though, when I think about it is back then we were focused on activities. We had to do things. We had to visit a certain number of high schools. We had to call a certain number of students. Um, I even remember having a report we had to turn in weekly um, in which we listed the number of applications we brought in and the number of transcripts and, and how many students were, um, you know, visited our visits when we went to high schools or, or college fairs. It was all about the activities. And I think the biggest change for me. Um, It really came when I read Dr. Wayne Sigler's book, uh, Managing for Outcomes, because it helped me as a, a, at that time, associate director for recruitment, understand that it wasn't about the things we were doing, but about the outcomes we were achieving. And so it it completely changed the direction I think my career and the offices I've managed uh, have gone. It wasn't about how many applications you brought in. it was about how many students uh, ultimately enrolled and, and what our goals are. And I think that that's helped professionalize our offices too. You know, it's, it's less about moving the widgets and more about the student experience through the process yeah. and serving students. And so I've really enjoyed that a lot, um, you know, really thinking about everything from the student perspective, how we can best serve students.
2: Well, so that's, that's maybe a good transition to what is happening today at, at Iowa State. I'd love to kind of hear what are the challenges, some of the problems that you're tackling today.
0: Sure. Um, you know, beyond the pandemic and the resulting financial situation in our country mm-hmm. and in the world and in the political climate is difficult. It causes, you know, a lot of difficulties for our domestic students as well as our international students. So those are, you know, certainly challenges um, for us in our office. You know, one big change for us is that, you know, we've offered retirement incentives, so we're losing a lot of historical knowledge all at once. Um, And so we've got to really be thinking about what the future looks like for us. Um, We are hopefully going to be launching a new student information um, system implementation soon. We are expanding Salesforce to serve our whole campus, um, which, you know, for those at larger universities understand what a challenge that can be, but also an opportunity our marketing strategy is changing. You know, one thing we're watching is that Gen Z is shifting on us. They're changing as we're, as they're going through high school and dealing with this pandemic. And that's a big thing to look at. Um, And then really, to me, the thing that gets me most excited is this future state of work concept. Mm, You know, what is work going to look like in the future? And, you know, on days when things are really rough, Um, I sit down with my team and we just spend a little time imagining what the future is going to look like work-wise. And that is kind of the thing that, that's our fun activity, (laughs) is thinking about how we can change the future of work uh, within our office.
2: I love that. That's an an amazing conversation to be having with your team. And I think one that we're we're all having right now in in terms of thinking about whatever the new normal looks like this last year has Raise some really fundamental questions about what what the future of work looks like, and and I've had a number of conversations on the podcast over this season. Just about, I mean, first of all, all of us want to actually be together in some way just to have human contact <laughs> on some level, but maybe be more intentional about how we're spending our time when we're together and what, what's a meeting, what's an email, what, what could be a virtual engagement where we don't have to be in the same room, but really appreciating the time we have. So I love that you're inviting that conversation with your, with your team. I'm curious too, you mentioned marketing and Gen Z's adapting. Could you tell, say a little bit more about that? I'm, I'm very curious because we, we've just had some really good conversations and and i've had conversations over the last year i think with a number of different customers really talking about i think taking ownership over marketing or taking ownership over the full student journey and really appreciating that journey is starting really you know very early and we need to kind of think through how we support a student from very early on as a as a prospect i wonder if you could comment on that
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's going to be another big challenge that we see is, you know, our prospect sources are dwindling um, with less students taking the the standardized tests. We're going to have to completely rethink how we find prospects right to add them to our system, how we engage them, how we keep them engaged, because it's probably very likely that we're going to have much smaller prospect pools in the future. And so it's going to be important to get the right students in our prospect pool and develop them to the point of enrollment when it's been less crucial to have high percent, you know, yields on those students because our pools have gotten so large uh, for most of us. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's it's an interesting opportunity. I would say, you know, if folks haven't really surveyed and explored their Gen Z students who are going through this pandemic, they should, Um, you know, we're noticing interesting things about them. Um, They're really cynical, you know, they kind of were before, but you can't go through a, you know, a global uh, crisis and not. Learn a lot, you know, and 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 again, I think the political climate um, coming from all different directions is has has changed them uh, in a really deep and and really concerning way, right? You know, we know we have more students with depression and anxiety, and um, you know, not in their normal social circles, and and you know, somewhat not developing in the same way that teenagers have, and so you know, there's a lot of concerns, I think. Um these students really value authenticity. They can see through the the um, b s <laughs> they um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're smart, they're savvy. I mean, I think about what I was like when I was 17 and I had no clue. I mean, I think a lot of us um, who are in the, in the field now, we were very different as 17 year olds than our students are now. Um, you know, and I have a 19 year old and a 15 year old, so I'm, I'm living it. And uh, I think it's sad, some of the, the changes that are they're happening to, to them because of this experience. Um, but, you know, I think we can offer the students hope Um, I think that that's a big part of our job. Um, I think we've got to be flexible with students. You know, we are going to have... A lot of students coming in with GPAs that are not gonna look very pretty and they're gonna have, you know, no test scores because of this pandemic. And and I know because it's happening in my own home, you know, it's a struggle to get my my kid out of bed and and to do virtual school and to to do what she needs to be doing. And so, you know, I think we're gonna have to recognize all that. And when it comes to marketing, we've got to be authentic. Um, and that's one thing I appreciate about Salesforce is it's really our hub. Right. All of this information um, goes into Salesforce. So our team members can really build a relationship and they're not spending so much time driving around rural Iowa in cars anymore. You know, so they have a lot more time to devote to really building relationships with students and helping students find the right fit for them. Um, and so I think, you know, there's also going to be this this sh- shaping of the profession in a new way, uh, which I'm really excited about as well.
2: Yeah. And I love kind of anchoring on, on the word relationships and, and having authentic relationships through, through the process that appreciate the full student journey and and the journey that the parents are on and the family of support around the student, um, considering their wellness um, and, and really Supporting, authentically supporting a student through all of admissions, uh, through enrollment. You're doing a lot of great work expanding Salesforce um, as well across campus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, Is that something that you've kind of had started pre-COVID or is this something more recent?
0: Yeah, so actually, um, we made the transition from student affairs to academic affairs um, in fall of 2019. And so, you know, we had had a big shift in that way um, before COVID. And one of the immediate projects we started working on was defining our priorities um, for the coming year. And, um, you know, one of those priorities was really building out Salesforce. We had it. Um, we had done minimal work on it. You know, we were using it in a pretty minimal way. Um, and we as a campus decided to really double down and, and really we hope to build the best instance of Salesforce out there. You know, that's, um, <laughs> that's my secret goal. <laughs> uh, so, you know, take over the world. Um, yeah, no, but you know, if we do something, we want to do it the best. And so We had a plan and that plan was approved just before the pandemic. And so um, here we stand, you know, we send everybody home and we've got this plan of how we're going to build Salesforce. And we did it. We did it all during the pandemic. And so we expanded our team um, pretty significantly. We brought in some content creators um, we brought in some uh, additional admins, we brought in some additional developers, um, and so you know we've got this full team now. Um, the team also doesn't just support admissions, but it also supports um, our academic colleges. We have content creators and an admin specifically for our academic colleges at the undergraduate level, um, and then we also have a graduate content developer, which if you're familiar with graduate programs bringing those together and collaborating amongst them is a it can be a big challenge right because they operate a lot in their own silos and this plan we worked with the recruitment teams from our colleges and our colleagues across campus to to develop the plan and then we def- we decided what kind of functionality we wanted to have uh, again as a campus and we also developed a governance team and i think that has been probably one of our biggest successes Um, that governance team includes folks from the grad college and our veterinary medicine program and our academic colleges and a few of our programs on campus. And that team determines who gets licenses, um, what our instance should look like in the future, what functionality we should um, we should develop and in what order and how, and how are we going to pay for it? You know, who needs access to what? And so we're not double, um, we're not doubling up on the, the time, effort, and money, right? I mean, before we had about six different CRMs running on our campus. And I, that's, you know, everybody's used to that, right? You know, the business college has to have their own and, um, you know, everybody has their own and the, the ag college has their own and, and so on. And, and then of course in liberal arts, there's like seven of them, you know? And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we really brought that all together and have created this ERP um, this, this cross-campus um, instance. And it's also serving our grad students. And it's also serving our veterinary medicine students. And it's also, uh, we're going to be rolling it out for continuing students this uh, spring, which means we need another admin, right? To mm-hmm. manage um, the continuing, um, you know, just the functionality and the processes. Um, and then also, you know, we've already got that content creator. So all of these people are working together as a team. And it's just, I mean, the collaboration has been just incredible Um, and we don't push people in. You know, I think that's a really important piece to this whole campus collaboration. We make it something people want. I mean, we're admissions, we sell, right? That's what we do. (laughs) And so we sell the CRM, we sell sell Salesforce as a solution um, and we provide the functionality and then, you know, folks can decide if that's a value to them and then join.
2: I love what you're doing. And I love that you're bringing in people in the right kinds of roles, having them collaborate. And this creates a really fantastic opportunity to create a more connected, cohesive, authentic student experience that is personalized for every student, depending on their interests. And then there's you know shared content assets across teams, which is awesome. Uh, so I love all of that. I'm sure there's sometimes conflict there. So, you know, not everyone's on the same page. You need to keep aligning and keep working on it, which is p- part of being on a team. Could you just, it seems like the governance structure is going really well for you. And, you know, people are working well together and, and getting things done. Could you just maybe share a little bit more? Because I, I know that is an issue that, you know, I think um, some, some folks do really well. Others sometimes struggle with as they're, as they're getting started. I'd love to just hear from your experience. What's the secret to your success, if you will, that's helping these teams work together well?
0: Sure, uh, I think for us the secret to the success was to start early with collaborative involvement. I've learned from this, right? Um, and working for our provost has been really beneficial because he's really um, kind of set these parameters of a process, making sure we are, you know, socializing um, our plans and making sure we're we're getting the right people involved at the right time. And so I've learned a lot from him and through this process. So an example is. You know, when we did these plans, there were leads from the colleges and leads from admissions. Um, Another thing we have, which is a huge benefit, is we actually have two project managers in the admissions office. Um, And one of those project managers is lead on systems and marketing. So basically, he's our Salesforce kind of project manager and lead, uh, which is incredibly valuable. So he took this process where we had leads from the colleges, leads from admissions, you know, a, a whole group of people from across campus. We started with a survey, you know, what's important to you? What do you want? You know, and a couple of things came came out. The first thing was a content audit. You know, they said, you know, our stuff's outdated. We need to update it for Gen Z. And so part of this plan is actually a full content audit with an external marketing firm um, so that we have the content to push into Salesforce. It's all coordinated, um, you know, that we are a branded house rather than a house of brands um, when it comes to our colleges and programs. And that all started from the very beginning. What are your top priorities? And the top priorities were that the the content audit, we want this functionality, we want input, you know, and we want to make smart decisions. We don't want to make ad hoc decisions. We want to have a plan and we want to, we want you to carry it out. You know, we want the central team and we want to be able to tell them what we want and then let them run with it. And then that just made, you know, so that started the process, which then moved into the governance team. Um, And the governance team just guides the work of this team, you know, of this uh, admin and and content creation team. And that's what makes it work is they, there's a lot of trust. We built trust by, you know, developing the plan together. And, you know, and here we are a year in, I mean, it, it is almost to the day, a year since that plan was approved. And, we are finishing out the content audit. We have implemented almost all functionality. We expect by May 1 that we will be completely done with that whole plan and then be able to move into a phase two, which will center more on broad marketing. And so, we've always got a plan. We're always working towards something. (laughs) And I think especially in this time, in the time of COVID, um, it's been incredibly important to keep the team moving in the same direction. We all know what the goal is and we're all moving in the same direction and we all know what the priorities are. Um, So as soon as we finish this plan, we'll have another one ready to go that we'll have developed collaboratively and we'll be moving forward for, you know, the years to come.
2: And you mentioned uh, just working through COVID, and earlier you'd mentioned kind of re- reimagining work in admissions. But even thinking more broadly, uh, with all your colleagues that you're working with, are there things that you're doing now uh, because of COVID that are are great ideas that you're just going to keep doing uh, in in the future?
0: Yeah, absolutely. COVID really pushed us, you know, just like many offices, we had about two hours to get everybody out of the office with their equipment and ready to work from home for a a time that was undetermined, you know? And at that time we thought it might even be three weeks. (laughs) Yeah, I
2: remember that.
0: (laughs) And so uh, that's uh, evolved, we'll say. Um, But, uh, you know, we had been talking. So, so one issue we have is we're kind of a landlocked campus. We don't have any more room to expand. And, you know, through um, both the CRM expansion, the Salesforce expansion, and some of our other initiatives um, in recruitment, we expanded our team by uh, nine brand new positions and then refilled a few positions as well. All of those people were onboarded during the pandemic. Some of these people I have not even met in person, like, live. I mean, I don't, I've never met them in person. And so everything has been done virtually. Um, So we know now we were pushed into this experiment um, and we didn't have enough space for everybody in our offices to begin with. We were always wondering where are we going to stick somebody new who comes in? Um, Now we know we can, we can manage every single aspect of our business virtually. You know, the only thing that requires a human touch in our building is mail. And we even developed a process uh, whereby our team only needed to come in two days a week to manage the mail. And so, in in kind of worst case scenario, we can do everything remote. And so, when we come back, you know. Back is going to look different. Future state is what we're talking about right now. Um, I'm thinking flexible workspaces. Like if you're only coming to the office, occasionally you don't need a permanent office, right? So we can can change up our our space to be flexible offices so that people can just check out a space when they're coming to campus. Um, We also have folks that are working abroad and across the country, you know, our regional representatives. And so when they come back, they can also check out a space and have a place to work. Um, we've found that teams like our marketing, our communications team, our systems team, we don't need them in the office. They don't need to be there. They can be way more productive if they're working from home. And so let's let them continue to work from home. Other teams are gonna need to rotate through, but we know it's a lot less staffing. Like our operations team, you know, we might have one person from each team physically in the office to help a student who happens to walk in with a question But the rest of that team doesn't need to be there. So if you have a team of four or five people, you just have one person in the office for that week or that day or whatever the case is, and we're just rotating through. Um, And the majority of our staff really enjoy that flexibility and are way more productive at their, their busy work when they're not in the office. Um and of course we're in Iowa, you know, we have blizzards every so often and and bitter cold <laughs> and you know it was negative 35 degrees with the wind chill yesterday morning. Um and we didn't have to pull anybody out in it we could just put up a sign saying you know we've got a, a virtual appointments available online go to our website and meet with a counselor it's um, also
2: the end of snow days i guess oh we teach online.
0: <laughs> yeah right right that, that is absolutely true although here in iowa we do not get snow days very often as you can imagine <laughs> we'd be out all the time um so yeah so i think that you know this has really pushed us to some new new concepts it's pushed us on technology right like we've got to get better computers, laptops. Um, we're talking about having docking stations in those temporary spots. Oh, yeah. So nice. Can, cool. Yeah. Take their laptops back and forth, but getting them more powerful laptops. Um, we need cameras. You know, some of our staff didn't have working cameras and microphones, and then that kept them from being able to join meetings and really participate. Um, another thing that I've come out of this with is small group meetings. Um, I've been doing small group meetings with specific teams Um, of about, you know, four to six people, and that has been incredibly productive and something I'll keep up. Um, It's it's different than having a one-on-one conversation and certainly different than that all-staff meeting where we have 80 people, you know, all trying to jam into one room. Um, It's allowed us to identify, you know, concerns and also ideas, you know, um, one of our priorities is that every single team member on our team is at the height of their own innovation, you know, and they're contributing to the their job and the workplace uh, with innovation. And so this has given us an opportunity to have those conversations.
2: I love that. And I love just kind of, yeah, thinking about what what do the meetings look like and how, how should we engage? I've, I've been spending, my team has actually been spending a ton of time in various like Slack channels that we have for different topics and things. And it's, been really great, actually, for collaboration, both with like a larger team, but also kind of smaller, more focused groups. Uh, one of the things that's been on my mind lately is thinking about actual meetings that we have and how much time we allocate to them. You know, what what's actually a 15-minute meeting versus like a 30-minute mm-hmm. or an hour? Like, we just need to touch base quickly, but mostly we can chat. So just, I love that we're having these, I don't know what the answers are at all, um, but I like that we're just taking a moment to think about what's really needed here and how do we yeah, I think it's maybe it's maybe some of your your teammates also struggle. It can be challenging if you are not. I've been working from home for just over six years now, um, so I've, I I kind of have a rhythm. I figured out you know how to clean my apartment in a certain way for camera, <laughs> and like you know mostly take a break. But it can be difficult. Like and you can find yourself you know isolated or just burned out and not knowing when to stop. So it's it's important to. Yeah, just be intentional about the communication and also intentional about, you know, when we're taking breaks and taking a time to go outside and take a walk or just, you know, play with your dog or whatever the case is, but just kind of have some space as well. So,
0: Well, you know, within admissions, we have this really um, unique mix of personalities often. Um, you know, we've got extreme extroverts who are WA people, right? The people you want to put on stage, the people <laughs> yeah. you want to sit the high schools, they're WA people. Um, and then you have typically an operations staff and a systems staff and maybe even your marketing staff that are way more introverted. And, you know, they, they gain their energy in different ways. They process things and they contribute and they innovate in different ways. Um, and so I think, you know, the small group meetings have allowed us to really account for that. You know, it's kind of a running joke. Uh, We've gotten together a few times, like socially distanced, to celebrate important milestones for our team. So um, one staff member's last cancer treatment. We all lined up along the road she was going to drive on, you know, certainly like 10 feet apart from each other. And, you know, rang bells and cheered her on uh, towards her last cancer treatment. And then we had a staff member who hit 50 years in our admissions office. Uh, So we did a car parade and we all drove by. Um, But it's our ongoing joke that, okay, when we all come together, we're going to have to keep the recruiters apart because there's no way they're not going to hug each other. You know? <laughs> know, totally, like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the personality. Like, okay, we've yeah. got to keep the recruiters on separate sides of the parking lot so that they cannot hug each other. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to... Uh... You know, like you said, like, like you, I have some colleagues who I've never, I've only seen like Mm -hmm. their image on my computer screen. (laughs) So, but I feel like, I don't know, it's interesting just, just thinking about it. It's like when you meet, you know, somebody um, who you've been listening to on the radio or something for a long time, Mm -hmm. like you have this idea in your head of how they behave and all these. And so, and it's. Uh, I don't know. It's like you've been online dating for a year and now suddenly you're meeting the person. So, right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, though. Um, but we got to be careful about hugging. Um, yeah, just, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, OK, so talking about uh, your let's kind of I want to want to get maybe get back to the students here. So lots sure. of great stuff happening across your team to, to actually in investment you're making in the in the people and the technology all to kind of to create this amazing student experience from the beginning. Um, We've talked in a few different ways here about about wellness, about supporting the full student, about where Gen Z is at right now, just kind of in terms of mindset. Equity is really important as a piece of this conversation. And so I'd love to hear from you just, you know, how you're thinking about equity at Iowa State. And maybe, you know, I'd love to kind of hear about what how that kind of comes to life for students as they're interacting across their mobile devices or or with your team?
0: Sure. One of the pieces of our vision for who we are as an office is that we will provide top-notch customer service and innovation to every student. And um, part of that involves access and inclusion of students, right? We need need students to see themselves represented um, in our processes and supported by our processes. Um, And so... You know, certainly moving to test optional has um, expanded access, although we do know that a number, you know, through Common App, that, that the underrepresented students and first-generation students are not applying at the same um, rates as they mm-hmm. typically would. So, you know, that's another challenge there um, that we've, we've got to work on, especially as we develop those prospect pools, right? Kids whose parents have been to college have a leg up because their parents know how to, quote unquote, play the game. Um, And a first generation student doesn't have that experience um, in their family to to help guide them. And so we're going to have to be very intentional about identifying students um, through these prospect development activities. You know, the other thing is, I think when we think about customer service, it's serving all students and all the identities they bring with them um, through the admission process and to campus. And I think, you know, something I have really become aware of is students' identities change a lot during that time frame, from, you know, junior year and through the start of their freshman year or, you know, early college. Working with our LGBT center, you know, seeing kids walk into, you know, those early social events and never having been in a room with other out people or without people before and Sometimes coming down to tears, like I didn't know environments like this existed, you know, and to me, that's really powerful. And so, you know, we were able to work with our Center for LGBTQIA plus student success and um, start tracking and gathering that information. So, you know, we had to be careful not to put personal information on the application, but we did a post-application survey um, as p- it's kind of part of the online application process. So students just flow into it naturally but they can identify and they can say, I want information about these services and these events. We do the same for multicultural students and students with different accessibility challenges. And so, um, you know, that's been a really kind of innovative way that we have been able to serve those students on an opt-in basis. And then we have some other ways, you know, that we're providing information. So, you know, like universal design is you know, a concept that's really popular now with designing buildings and spaces. We think about that on our application um, and our communication. So we should design it for everyone. So when we send a message out to students to talk about financial aid, at some point in that flow, we need to talk about the options for students who might not qualify for you know, federal and state aid, like our undocumented students. We shouldn't call them out and only offer that content to certain students. We should provide it to all students um, to normalize that not everybody, you know, everybody has different circumstances and different folks need different pieces of information at different times. And so, you know, we're really thoughtful and, you know, again, I look at my own kids, you know, and. My son is transgender, and having gone through the college tran- uh, transition process and selection process with him, was a huge learning opportunity, um, and it's made me more aware of just, you know, some of the things that are concerns to parents, like pronouns and names and, yeah. you know, what names on the testing, and uh, I've had a few rounds with some of the folks at the testing agencies. I'm, you know, they may or may not think highly of me. I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because we got to solve these problems. We, we do, have to, yeah. we, we have to solve these problems. It should not be on these students and parents to call and force us to solve these problems. Um, You know, we created them, we have to fix them.
2: I love that. And thank you for uh, sharing that about your son. And also um, just the example about the LGBT, you know, the person walking into the room. Um, so I, I'm an LGBT person, I'm a gay man. And I was, as you said that I was thinking about My first experience, I was kind of having like suddenly I had this like flashback to like when I was a teenager, but uh, which was a million years ago, (laughs) (laughs) but um, it was really powerful. I mean, I and at that time, you know, I wasn't out and um, there wasn't really Internet to speak of. This was like
0: 1994.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, like it just so. But I was ser- I literally was searching classified ads in a newspaper for like any LGBT events, and I yeah. found this little meetup that was at a uh, I think at a Unitarian church or something. Mm-hmm. But I I went to it. You know, I didn't tell my parents I was going. It was like the secret mission I had. <laughs> so I had to make up a story to do something else, and then I was going to. I went to this thing, kind of a life changing moment of. Wow, there's, you know, there were only maybe like a handful of people there, but there was some people like me that sort of live in my community or within driving mm-hmm. distance and it was I think like the beginning of a journey for me that then I was like 16 at the time, but it's just awesome that you're thinking about these things and appreciating people's identities are changing over time and appreciating the impact that these seemingly sometimes small things like a question on a form or universal design like the downstream impact that ends up having as someone goes through their journey at the school um, and starts interacting with other people. So um, thank you for sharing that. I I do think it's our problem that we have to solve and. um,
0: It's our obligation because of the privilege we hold in our positions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, and, uh, and thank you for reminding me of my personal story too, I <laughs> often, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's great. It's great. Like these are, you know, I'm thinking about all these great moments that have, that have, uh, kind of got, got me to where I am today, but that's, um, there's a lot of kind of pivotal moments like that and people yeah. who kind of connected me to other people that, that changed things. So, um, so I really appreciate that you are doing that, um, for, for your students and, and for your family as well. Let me ask you something. I want to maybe land on some um, some thoughts about twenty twenty one. But I just I feel like you know most of our audience probably I'm guessing people listening to this particular podcast are uh, involved in education. It's probably not uh, maybe we have some random listeners who are curious, which is awesome, and we welcome all. Uh, But I'm I'm guessing most are involved in higher ed in some capacity. But I just you know I feel like you have something to offer, uh, something else to offer beyond what you've already given us. Even if you work in higher ed, maybe you work in IT or somewhere else, just but you're a parent, is there anything you might say to parents at home right now who have kids who are applying or or struggling right now, thinking about their first year or something? You know, you, you're a parent and you have and are working in admissions. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have an interesting perspective to offer on maybe parents who are at home who aren't maybe even if they know about higher ed or they're working somewhere in higher ed, they're not quite sure how to manage this. Just any I don't know. You have so many great insights, Catherine. So (laughs) any any
0: wisdom to share? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm a mom mom first. My kids may disagree with that sometimes with my my work hours. But as I've evolved in my career, I think of, and I know we're not supposed to call these young people kids, but (laughs) I'm old enough now that (laughs) I do. I think of them from that perspective. And I think about how would my child react or how would my children Mm -hmm. get through this process and, and that sort of thing. I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing among parents, I mean, it's me too, right? I mean, it's this is hard. This is really, really hard. It is hard on us as adults and it is hard on our kids. And our kids may not show it in the same ways that we do. You know, our kids are depressed, our kids are anxious, our kids, um, we need to be checking on our kids because. You know, they're good at hiding. That's what teenagers do, right? They hide mm-hmm. things, including their emotions. And so we've yeah. got to stay really in touch with our kids. You know, we've got to help them find those social outlets. Like my daughter has one friend that is in, her, in our pod, you know, and I just, I understand that brings risk to us by having another person in our pod, but I can't do that to her. I can't yeah, yeah. keep a 15 year old girl from having a friend who's able to come over, you know, for mm-hmm. a year plus. I would say, you know, and I struggle because I obviously can't speak for all schools. There will be schools that are so selective that, you know, yeah, you know, a bad semester may keep your kid out of a school that's highly selective. You know, I can't speak for them. Um, I can speak, though, from a public school perspective. And, you know, our goal is to serve students and families, particularly in the states that we're located. And you know, we realize what's going on because we're dealing with it too. You know, here at Iowa State, we're we're talking about this. How are we going to serve students the next three to four years, right? It's not just this coming class. You know, my daughter's a sophomore and her GPA is going to look a whole lot different because of this experience. And so, you know, we realize it. we recognize it and, you know, it'll be hard for schools to maybe come up with a standard way of handling it. We're trying to find that balance here. Don't worry. We worry about our kids, and our kids are going to be fine. We'll make it together. And, you know, okay, if you were looking at selective university um, somewhere, maybe that's not going to be the fit. But I also would encourage families to think about if a school is not going to consider what your kid has been through, is that the place that you want your kid? Is that the place that's going to be caring and concerned about your student? Um so that's that's the way I think about it you know and we're going to get through this together and you know I look back um you know at my high school time and and I think about where everybody's kind of ended up you know and we all did okay we you know we're all doing our own things now and um you know sometimes we just need to kind of step back and take the bigger picture and you know, and and I'm a spiritual person, and I believe people are going to end up where they need to be. And, um, you know, the right opportunities are going to come along at the right times. And so, you know, we as universities just need to be there for students and support them, um, take into account what they've gone through. I do spend a lot of time on Facebook commenting on people's posts like, you know, this admissions director <laughs> recognizes <laughs> that your kid is having a tough time, you know, because parents are really struggling. You know, yeah, I'm really yeah. struggling. We're yeah. all struggling. And so... I don't know if that offers any insight or solution, but just know that there are folks that care and, you know, you may have to work a little harder to find the right place. You know, it's like having a kid in the LGBT community, picking a school or having a multicultural, you know, a kid who is from a multicultural background, trying to find the right fit. Um, It can be a little harder um, and everybody's going to experience that this year to find that right fit. And we'll, we'll get there. We'll all get there together.
2: Well, I feel like this is amazing. I feel like this is a great place to end. And again, you're reminding me, I mean, back when I was doing my college search, which was through, you know, mail catalogs Mm -hmm. and stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, in the high school guidance (laughs) office, had some brochures and things. But I mean, actually the kind of scanning through for kind of any kind of LGBT, anything in those, mm-hmm. ki- in, 19- in 1994. You weren't was, finding it probably. <laughs> yeah. But like that was like, in, in terms of priorities, yeah. like that was yeah. above the actual academics. I'm like, I need a place where I can like find my people and my group yeah. and like feel safe before I worry about my academics. And so, yeah. um, I love that you're kind of calling that out and respecting and respecting that. So, I feel like this is a great place to kind of land the conversation. I mean, I feel like You've offered us a lot of great insight about what's happening on the Salesforce side of things or and admissions, but also I feel like just how to be wonderful, caring, good people. And uh, you know, admissions directors do care and uh <laughs> and are We're doing people, great. Too. Dear people too. You're people too. Yeah. Um no, I mean, I feel like you just offered us so much that uh I feel kind of spiritually nourished through this conversation. <laughs> I mean, anything, any last thoughts you want to offer before we uh, say goodbye to everybody?
0: I think, uh, you know, to that point, meditation is really important. I started right before we got into this and it's, it's carried me through. So, oh,
2: awesome. Are you using an <laughs> app or anything?
0: Yeah, actually, I'm I use the Chopra app and I've been um, oh, yeah, I starting to use that insight timer. And so that, cause it's free. So
2: yeah, <laughs> I, use yeah. The, I love the Chopra app. And then I've been using this one that uh, i I found um actually i found it through a Dreamforce uh presentation but Mm. it's uh it's called the plum village monks oh and they have so i i'm using the chopra app now but i was using the plum village one but i like that they they have these cool um there's some cool like short meditations i can do so like if i'm taking a break or something i just need to unplug there's some about just like there's one called like a tea meditation where you kind of appreciate the journey that the tea has been on, to, and it just kind of makes you mindful of like all the things that have come together to, to make this moment happen. Oh, uh, I find great. it kind of grounding. Yeah, and it's it's very kind of easy. So, well, that's great. Uh, so, everyone, check out the Chopra app and Plum Village Monks app, please. I, I think you'll find a lot of enjoyment there. Catherine, I hope we can do this again. We should have regular touch touch points. I feel the Dreamforce <laughs> conversation was amazing, and I like that we got to kind of spend more time together on this one. So, yeah, it's nice yeah so thank you so much and uh i hope to catch up with you again soon and hear all, all the great work you're doing and to everyone listening just uh you know a moment of, of gratitude for your time i hope you found uh, this conversation as, as as nourishing and hopeful and inspiring as, as i did and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode thank you so much take care and be well
1: Want to learn more about the future of higher education? Get inspired with The New You, a thought provoking piece written in collaboration with higher education thought leader, Jeff Salingo and Salesforce.org. Find the report at sfdc.co slash education empowered new you, or by clicking the link in our show notes.